Welcome to more Gold Investors, where we'll be talking about a whole bunch of real estate topics on the show. I'm so excited to have somebody I've been wanting to be on the show for a while. He has really helped a lot with Lockie Shea and I when it comes to investing in this wonderful city of Gary. I have Justin Harris from E-Title and Escrow on the line with me. Hey, Justin. Hey, how are you, Aja? I am doing very, very well. Um, you, Justin is a powerhouse in the city of Gary. Can you give us a little bit of background on you as well as your company, E-Title and Escrow? Absolutely. So I don't know about being a powerhouse, uh, but I'm in the city of Gary. Um, I wasn't born here, but I was raised here. Product of uh, Carver Elementary School, Pulaski, and Roses Up. Uh, went off to Butler University down in Indianapolis. Got a finance degree. Tried to be uh, Black Wall Street for some years. You know, worked on uh, in the financial sector. Uh, at the age of forty, you know, um, things didn't quite work out in the financial sector. At the age of forty, I went back to law school. And my law degree about three years ago. Right, so I'm forty-five now. Uh, and decided to open up a title and escrow company in the city of Gary. So uh, to kind of give you a backdrop on that. So someone actually brought the idea to me about 10 years ago. And at that point in time where I was in my life, I was still kind of well focused in on what, uh, working in the financial sector. Uh, and at that point, and I was kind of down on the city of Gary. So I was actually going to move to Dallas. Uh, and, I, and I said no. Um, he kept asking me. Uh, over about a five or six year period, and at some point in the middle of law school, uh, they, they gave me a call and they asked me, and something just told me to say yes, and I, and I just said yes. So I finished up law school, and about maybe you know a month later, I started working on e-title and escrow, right? Um, got my title insurance license. Uh, said we're going to open up a title and escrow company in the city of Gary because. One is not one. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's not one in East Chicago, Gary, or Hammond, right? Um, I took a program called Gary Micro Enterprise Initiative. Uh, at that time, uh, Cynthia Williams was uh, our instructor, right? And she worked with me to develop the idea of creating a digital title company, you know, doing everything electronic, uh, from electronic documents, uh, electronic notarization, um, signatures, the whole gamut. So, uh, 2000, July 2017, I launched my title company. Uh, in the last couple of years, I, I've been working towards making this completely digital process. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but we are working towards that. Um, I've been doing closings about the last year and a half, and you know, you know, also we do title reports. Uh, so, you know, we've been around going on almost in, in, uh, two and a half years, you know, just trying to do what we can do in the city of Gary. Uh, we cover Lake County, you know, so we're licensed to do business in Lake County, Portage, Porter County, uh, technically throughout the state of Indiana. Um, but our, our focus or our base is in the city of Gary, uh, serving uh, such a great community, yeah, I'll say that. So uh, that's my story in terms of my background and E-Title, and I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> now, I didn't know you had a background in finance. We have that in common. My undergrad degree is in finance 
as well. Now, you mentioned, let's unpack a few things that you just said. What You said you didn't really have much hope in Gary at first. What changed? Uh, well, it's back to this law school thing. So uh, about 2000, I went to Dallas, stayed there about a year, ended up back in Indianapolis. Um, I was working for a company called One America uh, and got sick and tired of working in the financial services business. Right? I had been an internal wholesaler. I had been a financial advisor. I was looking to do something something different, right? Um, at that time, something unfortunate happened. My mother had a stroke. Right? And at around the same time, maybe a couple of days before my mom had the stroke, I had decided that I was going to go to law school. Right? And I was looking at schools out east like Howard. Uh, there was uh, FAMU and it just created their law school. Uh, so I was, you know, go, go away from the region. You know, I spent a, a significant portion of my life in Indiana. Uh, my undergrad, when I went to undergrad, I went to school in Indianapolis. So I ended up back in Indianapolis for a second time. And I was going out east. So my mom had a stroke. I'm the oldest of two children. Um, my sister lives in Nashville. So I did kind of change. I, I did change uh, where I wanted to go to law school. So I had to look at things differently because family is very important, and I wanted to be there to support my mother and my father. Uh, so I ended up taking the LSAT at John Marshall over in Chicago. I said, well, I'm going to. When I was taking the LSAT, I said, well, I'm probably going to end up going to John Marshall. And I did. I ended up going to John Marshall. Uh, but in that, so initially I lived in the city of Gary and I moved over to Chicago. Uh, and going back and forth between the two cities, I would commute over like every day, you know, either way, every day, just to want to, you know, help my mom with her rehab. And uh, that caused me to uh, look at things, begin to look at things differently, actually, because I'll tell you this story. So, at that point in time, there was a sister uh, named Jocelyn Kelly, right? Uh, and she opened a, comp- uh, a business called Jay's Breakfast Club. And you know, uh, me and my father were cooking for my mom, and she didn't, didn't like our cooking. You know? We're no chefs, right? I'm no chef more <laughs> at all. Uh, so I'm looking for alternatives to feed my mom, right? So I go in, and I'm just sitting. So I'm just says, you know, pay attention. You know, don't just, just sit and watch. And so I would wait on the food, and I would watch, and I would watch the environment, and I saw something like, okay, something's different. Just, let me look at this thing a little bit differently. And as I'm moving throughout the city, I'm seeing other folks make moves. They're doing things. So I said, you know, being a lifelong Gary resident, this has a different feel, right? So for so long, we had always waited for these big, huge projects to come in to change the city. But, no, this was different. Folks on the ground were making these moves. And so in that, I caught the spirit, right? I said, well, let me, let me reevaluate what's going on. Let's, let's look at it. Let's really look at what's, what's going on. We know the city has potential. Uh, a lot of the problems that plagued the city when I was younger, uh, some of those are still here, but they're not as bad, right? So crime is not as bad. Uh, certain parts of the city, it's quiet. Uh, and, and i got to tell you, I had experience in law school. So I used to work in the business law clinic as well. Uh, in law school, and we would go to the south and west side of Chicago and help small business owners um, uh, set up their businesses or create different agreements and contracts. So that kind of opened my eyes to looking at also looking at Gary. But there was an experience that I had. I had a run-in with a professor, right? Um, there was a situation he was interacting with one of her older sister, and I, I didn't like that. 
Right? I, I, I'll be completely honest. I didn't like that, and we had a confrontation. And in that confrontation, I decided that I wanted to go back to a community that looked like me and work in a community uh, with folks that look like me. Now, I'm, I'm open to working with everyone. Don't get me wrong. Right? But I, I, then I knew that it was time to really look and reevaluate the city of Gary and look at the true hard aspects that the city has to offer and how I could not, you know, I had to look at the equation differently. Right? As you get older, you look at things differently. It was more also about, I was at an age where I was like, how can I contribute more? Not necessarily what I could get from the city of Gary. How can I contribute? How can I make it better? And then there, that was that title and escrow company conversation. That's where that comes into, like, okay, here's a lane that I can operate in, right, in the city of Gary, serve a community that's underserved, right, uh, let's look at the real statistics, right? Yeah, we do have a higher level of poverty in the, in this city. We'll admit that. But two-thirds of our people live above poverty, right? Um, understanding that location, we're 33 miles away from downtown Chicago. That's downtown, about 19 miles from the south side, right? I started looking at some of the same problems that were on the south and west side of Chicago in terms of our community, we had those same issues, right? And I said, well, you know, hey, let's take a, a, a real look at this. You know, I got the spirit and said, let's go ahead and do this, right? Uh, and it only made sense. Now, uh, I'll say that now after operating the community for two years, that it really made sense. You know, back then I still had questions, but I was resolved to say, hey, um, we're going to undertake this endeavor, right? Why not, Gary? You know, why not? Um, uh, also, to kind of add to the story, to go back as a kid, you know, growing up in this community, that's something that we all uh, you know, wanted to do is to make the city better, right? And I said, well, here's, a, here's, here's my playground, you know. I don't want to go downtown. I don't want to work for these big law firms because statistically there's no room for me, right? Uh, we make up one and a half percent of law firms, uh, big law firms. And big law firms, I can't make an impact. I know there's a need in my community. Um, we don't have, have all the resources, but but I'm, I understand that, and I still see the opportunity. So let's uh, let's go back and let's create, be creative. Uh, let's be a part of the um, the solution, right? Because I'm also of the belief that most job creation or new jobs will be created by small businesses, right? Um, and then to take you back to another, uh, when I worked at, I used to work at Merrill Lynch. I was a financial advisor, and I remember there was this report, a training report that we had, and it said that some of the greatest investment opportunities will now be in our own backyards. And they were, they were literally talking about like the South Side of Chicago. Uh, West Side of Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, East St. Louis. So I just took what I read in that report and I looked at the city of Gary as well. So all of those things came together at one point in time. Uh, and, you know, again, that's why I decided to, to operate in the city of Gary. Yeah. What concerns you most about the real estate market in Gary? What encourages me or, or discourage or I'm sorry, could you repeat what the question? What concerns you? What concerns you most? Um, well, we have an abundance of, of properties, 
you, some may say 12,000, some may say 7,000 um, that are not occupied, and that is a major concern, right? Some of these houses need to be dim, uh, are old. Uh, they were poorly built. Um, what you have is such an abundance, you know, um, uh, they're not being maintained. Uh, that is an issue, right? Uh, also, understanding that traditionally or in the past that there's been a lot of real estate fraud in the city of Gear, right? Um, one of the uh, biggest issues in our community is, or one of the greatest, uh, 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 we are like the one of the, I want to say number one, but I can't, I, I forgot. Uh, well, white collar crime is not the number one concern uh, for the FBI. Right? And 40% of white collar crimes in America are real estate fraud, right? Um, in that, we are the number one victims of real estate fraud, right? So, being that we are still a predominantly African American community, uh, we have a lot of folks who don't operate with integrity. Um, and then, you know, because there's this this, this uh, fever about operating or doing business or uh, buying and purchasing and selling real estate in the city of Gary. So I'm concerned that my people will become victims of real estate fraud as things continue to improve in the city, right? Uh, two or three, uh, the property tax cap is coming off, right? That's going to have a substantial impact. Um, and I, I will say more so for our older residents, right? Um, there's interest in our community, right? So um, that may create some opportunities where folks may be gentrified out of the city of gear, right? Now, I, I don't look at gentrification over the entire city because there are just pockets of the city where no one, is, is, no one lives there. So you can't gentrify people who aren't there. But I'm talking about in the surrounding areas and some of our better neighborhoods, right? Uh, Miller, for example, what what happens to the population of po people that have been there for 30, 40, 50 years as Miller becomes more popular and, it, you know, people look to do more development in Miller, right? Uh, that's going to push the home prices up, right? So that's going to push the assessed values of those properties up as well, right? So I, I, mean, I, I have some, some, some concerns, right? Uh, but I'm also optimistic uh, that, uh, that we can find the solution prevent a lot of those or to change a lot of those issues. Um, as you well know, we talked about, I've, I've done some transition work with uh, mayor-elect. Um, you know, those conversations have been had, right? We, we shared those conversations because we don't want, we want Gary to change economically, of course. We want it to increase in population, but we don't want to get rid of the folks that's here that have contributed to, to the city for 40, 50, 60 years, right? Or we want to make it affordable for folks who want to move into the community. We want to make Gary home, right? Uh, we don't want to uh, um, price people out, right? Um, so those are some of my concerns. Uh, I could talk about that topic all day. But I, in that, I, like I said, I'm really optimistic, um, you know, because with, with these, some of these challenges, you create opportunity. Like there's opportunity for new development. There's a, a tremendous opportunity to come in and rehab properties. Right? Uh, a huge opportunity to do that. There's a huge opportunity for new development, new types of housing, uh, whether it be the traditional housing or with 
shipping containers and all of these small houses. Uh, so uh, you know, there's, it, there's a balance. Uh, there's a fair balance right now. You mentioned that we have a surplus of properties, and some of these properties were poorly built. What do you suggest we do about this property surplus, especially okay. the properties that are poorly built? Well, uh, some of these properties have to be demoed. I have to tell you, I grew up in a house on 24th in Massachusetts, and it was built uh, by the hands of a guy that worked in the mill and he did it part-time. And so there were a lot of issues. So homes like that, I have to be completely honest, we need to demo a lot of those homes, right? Um, if they can be saved, let's save them. Um, there's a number of ways that we can begin to convey properties or get properties in the hands of investors because that's naturally one of homeowners, right? We have a dollar home, dollar home program, right? So if you want, if you qualify, you can buy a house for a dollar. Uh, the, the difficult part then is finding the money to rehab a property because a lot of times these properties have to be rehabbed. So we have to consider looking at possibly opening that dollar program up to investors. Right? We have the means to, um, to develop those properties, right? Uh, we have to find financing mechanisms for folks or residents or individuals who want to buy properties and they want to live in, right? Because a lot of times they have to go to banks and they may not qualify for the traditional loan. Or what they need is that it, it may be too a large of amount to pay out of their pocket at that point in time, but it's not a large enough loan for the bank. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So we've got to find home programs to uh, help folks rehab properties. Uh, we have a demo list. You know, we have to open that back up and, uh, and investors come in and take a look at those homes and see, oh, we can rehab those. And the ones that we can, you know, we take off the list, we, we sell them to them under conditions that they have to do certain things by certain times. Um, but we want to look, take a look at that. Um, maybe we land bank the remaining property, right? Uh, we, we, you know, we've got to find a way to sell and convey these properties. So those are some of the things that I, I've looked at and I think would be beneficial. I think Cook County has a pretty decent model on the land bank. Uh, and we want to take a look at that. I know there's some statutory issues with that in the state of Indiana, uh, but, you know, those are conversations that we need to have, and that's conversations we need to have with the folks downstate. I mean, because uh, we have a tremendous supply. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but, yeah, those are just some of the things that I think that we could use to employ uh, to help with that situation. Yeah, that does answer my question. Are these issues being considered with the new administration that's coming in, do you think? Uh, absolutely. These are conversations that have been discussed, right, uh, because we understand that our, well, the greatest opportunity to help change the financial situation for this community uh, in the interim is uh, finding a way to put those properties back on the um, tax roll and to get land and get actually get, you know, funds for those properties, right? Uh, we can sell uh, some of the, you know, maybe a thousand <laughs> in the first year, uh, first two years, get those back on the tax roll, uh, you know, and uh, we get money for those properties, right? So that could show up some of the uh, short-term financial needs for the city. As we keep find, keep to find ways to develop new housing and uh, develop small businesses as well. Okay. All right, so let's go back. You own a title, um, e-title and escrow. 
what are title companies and why are they important, even for creative investors such as Lockie Shea and I? Okay. Well, they're absolutely essential. Right? A title company, what we do, we're a disinterested third party. What that means, we don't, we don't, we work for everyone in the transaction. So if there's a buyer and a seller, regardless of who pays those fees, we work for the best interest of both both parties. We want to want make sure that the seller has title. Right? That means they actually own the property, not just that they have a deed because the deed doesn't necessarily mean a title. So we check if they have title. We want to check to make sure that their title is not encumbered, meaning there's no lien, judgment, outstanding mortgages against that property, right? Uh, those things are extremely important. But I'll go back to this. Remember, in our community, we are the number one victims of real estate fraud, right? Um, and we typically buy a lot of properties by quit claim deed, which does not have a warranty behind it. Um, so we want to make sure as we get in, into these real estate transactions that we're buying the property from someone that really could sell us the property, right? And we want to make sure that they don't have any outstanding judgments. Um, we don't want to make sure that we want to make sure that hey, if you buy the property today, it, you know it's not taken in a, by foreclosure the next month, right? Uh, which ha- which does happen a lot. A lot of folks just don't do that. They don't check their public records. They don't um, they don't do title reports. Um, you know they don't invest in title insurance. So that's another thing. What we do is we supply title insurance, right? So if there is a situation, say, for example, if you go to a title company and we miss an outstanding lien or judgment or someone shows up and knocks on your door and says that you own, they own this property, we provide insurance against that. Now, let me explain the insurance portion is that, no, you don't necessarily get to keep your property if that happens, but if there's an outstanding judgment, the title insurance will, will pay for that, Right? If there's, you know, uh, someone who knocks on your door and says, I own the property, you're wrong, you got to move out, well, you're compensated for what you, per- you know, the purchase price of that particular property. So in any, any real estate transaction, and, and, you know, even if it's with your parents, your grandparents, you, you want to do at least do a title search and have title examined. That's another thing that we do. We make sure that the documents or these deeds are uh, signed correctly, and we take a look at the past. We look, we go back in history, right, and we look at uh, mortgage transactions to make sure past mortgage transactions are paid off, or that the releases are recorded correctly, or the deeds are recorded correctly, right. Um, and and it, it, it's a cumbersome process. A lot of people don't like to do it, you know, because it it, it does slow down a transaction, right, because we move, uh, you know, if somebody's ready to buy tomorrow, I can't necessarily get, you go through a, the, a complete closing in 24 hours, you know, it may take a week, but it's well worth it because we make sure that you're protected. Uh, we make sure that all parties are protected. And, you know, we also disperse funds, right. So we send out sales proceeds. We pay off. There's an outstanding mortgage that needs to pay, be paid off. We pay off those mortgages. There's outstanding tax. We'll pay off taxes. There's judgments and liens. We'll find that information out, and we'll pay those things off um, on behalf of the seller, but also to protect the buyer, again, because we don't want those things to follow, uh, and we want to make sure we do, again, what's in the best interest 
Labai and Asala. You mentioned several times that black people tend to be victims of real estate fraud. Can you give us reasons why, and can you give us some background information on why title companies such as yours are very important, black-owned title companies are important in the black community? Okay, so I, I'll take the second question, and we'll start with that. Why is, why is it right? Because a lot of times, right, what I've experienced is that people have a tendency to feel a little bit more comfortable with people that look like this. Right? Good, bad, or indifferent, that's just my personal experience. So there are certain situations that they may go to another title company and they may not feel comfortable. They, they want to know what this is and what that means, and they may not feel comfortable asking those questions, right? And that, because, that could be because they can just, you know, for a lot of different reasons, right? They could, you know, rushed or the person is not pleasant to deal with, so they just want to get the transaction done. So they feel comfortable asking me those questions that they wouldn't otherwise ask. Um, we looking at how I, my business and my business is modeled, right? I understand that this is a complex process, time-consuming, and it, at times can be confusing, right? So that being said, I always under, want to put a person that, that a person is at the other end of every question in every situation, and I put those people first. And I'll say to myself, well, look, if I were in their, their shoes, if I didn't know the things that I I know, I'd have those same questions. And then let me make sure that I'm explaining this in the simplest form possible, right? I know there's certain uh, uh, jargon that we use, but I want to make sure I'm conveying the message to my people in a way that they understand, right, uh, which is important in a community, again, where we have a higher level of poverty. Um, a lot of us may not know. We don't have the experience. We don't have people that we can reach out to ask questions to, right? And this kind of goes into your first question, why, again, we're the number one, because we, we, we don't know a lot of times. You know, we don't have, know what questions to ask. We may go into situations with posing, and we don't feel comfortable asking questions, right? So, um, to we don't, you know, a lot of folks are eager to buy a home, right? And it, when they're eager to buy a home, um, they don't necessarily know the right steps to take. They should take. There's nobody to explain the process, right? Uh, like most recently, within the last six months, uh, deed fraud is rampant in Detroit, right? Folks are they're coming in and uh, uh, um, with these options to buy, and we don't really understand the contract language, and we're giving money up, and folks have just created deeds, right, because it's easy to create a deed, right? It's real easy. They can go to any store and get a deed, put their information on the name of their company or their name, and, you know, they're asking for relatively what we consider a small amount of money, five, ten thousand dollars for our home, and then we say, well, hey, I want, I, I, I've never had a chance to buy a house. This is a great opportunity for buy a house. I can do this for my family. I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip going through this traditional closing and doing the title search because they're ready to move now, and that this is at such a low price point. You know, um, uh, 
somebody else, and they'll come in and get the property from, up from underneath, so I'm ready to move now. So we got this sense of urgency. We move. We don't do our homework, right? Um, actually, that actually happened to Les Brown. That's a, that's a true story. Um, the motivational speaker, back when in the 90s, 2000s, he bought a home for his mom. Uh, and the guy, the seller was eager to move. You know, I've got, I've got to move today. I've got a, a ton of buyers. It was at a deep discount. It was a, a fabulous home. And Les bought it, trusted the guy. 30, within 30 days, the guy showed up at the front door saying, I, I'm going to foreclose it. You've got to pay me this X amount of dollars or I'm going to foreclose on the property. Les didn't have the money at the point in time. Got foreclosed on the property, lost the property. So, um, yeah, it's, it's essential that we do this. It is important. It is uh, worth the price, right? It's a, a small fee, right? So, average title report at least costs you $200 right here, right? If you're going to spend five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 on the property, you need to know that this person owns the property and they don't have any outstanding liens or judgments. Um, if you have questions in closing, you know, keep this in mind, whether you close with your title or you close with a competitor or anyone else, you have a right to ask questions. You have a right to have things explained to you. Right? If you feel rushed, you have a right to slow the process down. Right? And if they decide to say, I'm going to move on, remember there are a lot of other, sometimes things are too good to be true. And there are a lot of other opportunities. So use caution, protect yourself, um, ask questions, pick up the phone, make phone calls, don't be afraid, this is your money, uh, and you want to be protected. What's the significance of e-title and escrow doing much, much of your work online? I even hear that you're accepting Bitcoin now. Yeah, I do. I do accept Bitcoin, so um, and I accept other cryptocurrencies. So the significance is that again, this is technology, right? How do I use technology to provide a better service for my business, right? So in the city of Gary, you have a lot of investors uh, who who are out of the area. They meet, you know, they're, they're maybe even a couple hours away. So how do I make it more convenient for them to do business with? me and to buy and sell properties in the city of Gary, right? So um, in that, why don't I leverage technology to do so? It also provides more protection for the client, right? So we know that IDs can be faked, but if we do a digital closing, we can run and scan backgrounds, you know, scan IDs, we can, you know, there's certain things that we can do in that to protect, again, the, the buyer in that situation, to make sure the person, again, is who's selling you the property is actually that person, right? Uh, convenience. They can get you the documents a lot quicker. They can be signed electronically, right? Using the right software, some of those questions, if you read the documents and you have questions, they'll, they're embedded links. It'll take you to actual definitions. It'll tell you what this is and how that is and what how this works. So uh, it shortens the time for a quote. 
if you're using a loan, right, if, if you're borrowing money to purchase a home, we all know the stack of documents can be at least 100 pages. And most times you don't see those documents until you walk in and close them. And to save time, if I could get those documents to you three to five business days early, it gives you more time to review those documents. And then you can sign those electronically, the certain, certain documents electronically as you go along. That saves you time at the closing table, and it gives you more time to review what you're signing. So oh, that's okay. why technology. So one thing I had, I was going to say one thing I hadn't shared with you. So we're also looking to use blockchain. You know, you mentioned the cryptocurrency. Um, so we, we're looking for fine ways to use blockchain technology as a land registry in the city of Gary and smart contracts. Right, self-executing contracts. Right, we set up the protocols, the conditions that the both buyer and the seller agree to, and as stipulation A happens, B automatically happens. That saves money, it saves time. Um, you know, we got some challenges in that because one, I, unfortunately, Lake County the recorder does not take electronic documents as of yet, uh, but hopefully uh, in the new year they, they begin to do that. Um, and, you know, with our opportunities in the city of Geary, we want to create that land registry to make sure, um, you know, we have an accurate count of properties so we can get those properties out to the best people that want to develop those properties. So I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you think that's coming in 2020? Like we're going to be seeing some changes, some electronic changes in Lake County in 2020? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, I, I know that 2020 is the election year for the recorder. So all all the candidates have talked about actually, you know, taking electronic documents. The rest of the state, unfortunately, Indiana, Lake County is behind, but the rest of the state does take electronic documents. Uh, so the, the county may implement a system that will allow them to start taking those electronic documents into electronic They'll take electronic notarization. Um, we, we've got to step into the new millennium. I, I mean, we got to step into 2020. Right? We're, we're operating in 2015, 26, 2016. We've got to get to 2020. And so those talks have been had. Uh, so I think we'll see some movement uh, because the legislation actually took place for electronic notarization or remote online notarization back in uh, July. So Porter County is doing it, St. Joe's County, Laporte County, they they all accept them. You know, we, we don't. We've, we've got to push that. You know. I think the taxpayers deserve better, uh, you know, from my experience. And so and that's not a knock against everyone that works at the county. You know, there was a lot, of, a lot of good people, but we need it. I mean, it would make things a lot easier, convenient. Yeah, sure will. You you coined the hashtag Why Not Gary? What does that mean as far as small businesses and mom pop real estate investors in the city? All right, so give you a little bit of backdrop. Um, you know, it's tied to my title company. I was in the GMI program as I mentioned earlier, and I did a pitch in front of the mayor. Uh, we met about a month later. Um, she's like, "Well, I want you to come and talk about. I want you to be the state of the city." and talk about your business and why you decided to do business in Gary. Right? And sometimes I could be 
you know, hard to deal with. So I would, you know, as I'm going through my business, idea I'm sharing with my friends, and they would all ask me, well, why Gary, right? I would say, well, why not Gary, right? I mean, are you referring to all the crime? And just being funny, right? you know, uh, because those things that we have, the stereotypes for the things that we think about Gary when you take a close look, those things weren't really there. Right? Like I said, we do have issues, but they are not as bad as, um, folks would like to believe we're not the, the most miserable city in, in America or the world. Uh, and what that means for, for small business people is possibility, right? When, it, when you're looking for a business opportunity, why not? We traditionally want to go to the busiest spot, the places with the most retail spots and stores. Uh, and, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. But when I, when, I, when I look at it, I look at some of the greatest opportunities are being in underserved communities, right? And we know that from the leakage report, i.e., for example, in restaurants and spending with restaurants right outside of the city, folks in the Gary spend over $50 million with these, these restaurants right outside of the city to spend money in Maryville, Cherville, Porridge, Hobart, Crown Point, right? So if I'm thinking I want to open a restaurant, you know, there's not a lot in the city of Gary that you can sit down and, uh, you know, eat in that establishment, so on and so forth. So I'm saying, well, why not? Why wouldn't you look at it? Or other industries. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, um, again, two-thirds of our population lives above poverty, right? 80% of our community has at least a high school diploma. We are still, we still have the largest footprint on the lake, 13 square, 13 square miles. The city's 54 square miles. We still say we're the largest city in Lake County. So if you, I'm opening up a business, uh, and uh, most of us typically start a business without a lot of capital, Right? Why would I look at Gary? So why not Gary? Well, um, the the other side of the coin is that I'm also a consumer in the city of Gary. I deserve a certain standard of customer service. I think there are other folks in the community like like me as well. Right. So when you know certain things come to the city, people well, why Gary? Why are they bringing that to Gary? Why not? We have money as well, <laughs> you know. We can read and write. We, you know, we're human. Um, we know how to act. Not all of us, but most of us know how to act. Um, we like good service. We support people that do supply good service. So, again, you know, if you're looking at starting a small business, why not get it? You tell me why not. There, there are folks in the community that are doing well. Uh, so why not? Again, very little competition, a lot of opportunity, huge footprint, a city with a lot of assets. I won't even say potential city, a lot of assets. And if you 
got a small amount of money or, you know, like when I started e-title, I didn't start it with $250,000. I'm fresh out of law school. I took my tools and fuse and figured it out. I said, okay, I can do this. Right? So um, why not? Man, and Gary has, you mentioned earlier about the stigma surrounding Gary. A lot of it's not true today. So what pushes you to keep going as an entrepreneur in what people may consider a very risky market? Oh, well, one thing I I learned in finance is how to take the data, analyze it, peel the onion back, and get down to the the real nitty-gritty of it all, right? So, yes, there are certain risks. but on the business, from the business side, it makes sense. And just, you know, understanding how business works. Nothing happens overnight. Right? You, you know, I didn't expect to be an overnight success. But some of the issues that I experienced in the city here are just issues that any business person would have, right? Uh, when I look at the, the industry, how the title industry built, you know, a lot of these larger corporations and companies, I'm trying to disrupt how they do business. I don't expect them to welcome me with open arms. Um, I understand happens, right? Folks who have now purchased properties that used to go into these other companies to do business, I'm asking them now to change, right? That takes time. You know, there's a three- to five-year time frame to build anything worthwhile. And you just, you know, each day I make it at the end of the day. Right. I've been fortunate enough to pay the bills, to keep going, pay my bills. And I see more and more people coming through the door, you know. And I go back to my why. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Right. And if I stick to that and I keep doing that on a day-to-day basis, things get better. You know, I've had my moments where I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be honest. I want to pack it in. This is crazy. Um but then the phone always rings, and someone calls and says, I need help. And then, I, you know, something happens inside of me, and we're at it again, right? And I, I'm just resolved to say, you know, I'm going to do this and push myself to do this until we can't do it anymore. And as long as there's life, I'm coming back, right? Um, two, this is my home. If I don't do it, if I'm not willing to commit to it, who will? I, you know, I'm very uh, cautious. Uh, this is not, I know we need an outside assistance. Don't get me wrong. But when you bring in other people inside of your neighborhood and they control all the resources, it is now their neighborhood and it's their community. So that, that being said, I mean, I want to I I make significant difference. So in that I understand the flow, the ebbs and flows of business, it's hard. Business itself is hard. 90% fail. Yeah, but I always stick to my why. Why am I doing this? Okay. And when that phone rings, that email comes in, time to take action. Um, and I work in corporate America. I ain't going back. <laughs> Part of my formality. I ain't going back. I'm not going back. Yeah, I get me in downtown Chicago to do 
It's not for me. I know I, I don't fit into that world. I, it's not for me. I'm not knocking it, but it, it's not for me. So I've got to make it here. So I'm resolved to make it, right? I'm resolved to see my community do better. This is my home. My people are here. All in all, even though I've had some bad moments here, Gary's been, I mean, Gary's been good to me. I've got, went off to school, and I'm supposed to be my community's best and brightest. Come back and make a change. See the opportunity here. I mean, folks come in. You see it. Folks come in from the outside. They make millions of dollars off of us. They don't stay in this community. Mm-hmm. They go right back to where they come from. We, we, we get it to them. Right? So let me get a piece of that, and let me create jobs for people in my community. You know? like, let me do that. And maybe I inspire somebody else to, to give it a try. If I can make it, well, if Justin can make it, I can make it too. Well, um, our young people need to see, especially our, our young black men need to see young or, or black men in their community working. I saw it coming up. It kind of changed over time, but I thought they need to see it. We can't all go. We can't. I'm not knocking it again. We can't all go to the suburbs. We can't. Somebody's got to stay back and try to change this thing. Man, Justin, you gave us some inspiration today. And I tell you folks, Justin's company is a company that will help you and kind of walk you through, especially if you are a newbie investor, it's a really good company to deal with. Well, even if you're not a newbie investor, maybe you are – discovering other creative ways to invest, I definitely, I highly, highly, highly recommend e-title and escrow. Justin, can you give us some information on how people can get in touch with you if they want to do some deals? Just let us know. Oh, absolutely. So we have a website. So you go to our website, you want to place an order, you want to find out more about us, uh, that's uh, www.e-title and escrow, and it's spelled out. Um, or you can give me a call. My number is 833-384-8531. Again, that's 833-834-8531, or think 833-E-Title-1 will get you right to us. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Um, you know, either way, we're there. Give us a call. Um, uh, uh, hours are typically 9 to 5, but it'll be, you know, most nights I'm there late. Um, and we're there to help. You know, again, um, that's what we're here trying to do. Uh, and, um, uh, and I hope we are. Uh, and, and again, thank you for all uh, the wonderful things that you were saying about us. Some of it is deserved, some of it is not. <laughs> I'm no, just kidding. It's all deserved. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, e title and escrow, www, e title and escrow. Well, thank you so much, Justin, and I appreciate you being on the show. And everybody get at Justin Harris from E-Title and Escrow, and keep investing in this beautiful city of Gary. Have a great one, and again, thank you, Justin. 
You're welcome. You guys take care. Have a wonderful evening, and thank you for having me on the show. Of course. Good night. Good night.